Back to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up, y'all? I am your host, Chris. They call me Chouse, welcoming you back to another episode. Here we are again. The season has officially kicked off. 2020 NFL is underway. Thursday night football has just concluded last uh, night. And, and I mean, it was a good contest. I mean, we'll just dive right into the show. This will be about reviewing the Thursday night games, and we will uh, go into uh, what, to, what to expect for the weekend slate and the Monday nighters. So, I mean, I think this was how we'll do it. We'll do this a weekly show uh, this season. We did the recap shows last year. Got a lot of good feedback from them. A lot of people enjoyed them. But uh, I think I'll, I'll change it up. I mean, change is always good. Let's do it from the other perspective as opposed to reviewing the contest. Let's let's do it on the on the flip side and and predict what we uh, what we think is going to happen um, in each uh, each week uh, to come. So I think that's the that's the big change uh, this year uh, for for the podcast. And and I'm excited. So let's dive right in. Thursday night football. The Houston Texans going to Kansas City to face off against the Chiefs. I mean, I was expecting a, a, a very sound contest, and it, it started out that way uh, but ended up not delivering uh, whatsoever, for, especially from the Houston side. I mean, uh, as the game went on, I mean, Houston got the very first touchdown of the contest, and it's it, it appeared that, you know, um, they were going to be competitive. Uh, they were they were controlling the clock. I mean, David Johnson looked fabulous in that first quarter. Uh, no worse for wear. No injury concern. He he didn't look washed by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, this is what we were talking about uh, uh, on the the team review shows. Um, he's still a young guy. I mean, give him a break. He had a bad run of luck when it came to injuries in Arizona. The systems constantly were changing. I mean, how could you get any kind of traction as a runner uh, when when the systems are always changing and, and you're always finding your way into the medical room? So now he does look healthy. He looked very sharp uh, in that game. I mean, but the Houston Texans, they scored the first touchdown, opened up the scoring, and then they never really got back on the board until the fourth. So, I mean, the Chiefs definitely started rolling. Uh, uh, they were playing very well. There wasn't a whole heck of a lot I could say on the negative for the Chiefs. I mean, a little bit defensively here and there, but outside of that, I think they played a very solid game. Uh, we'll we'll start with the Texans in this respect because I didn't really understand what I was watching based on uh, what the coach was doing, Coach Bill O'Brien. He, I really struggle because everyone, I mean, the mantra was on social media, on Twitter especially, um, that everyone was criticizing them for not having DeAndre Hopkins. And I mean, fine, I get it. You know, the superstar is gone and you're going to criticize because they didn't put up a good showing. But this was the problem that I saw is that you did not utilize the talent you have on the field. You have Brandon Cooks, who who is lights out in terms of speed. Will Fuller, same deal. He can burn everybody on the field. You have a David Johnson, who played well on the ground, wasn't really utilized in the pass game very much. And then you had Randall Cobb, who was basically non-existent. So I I, I couldn't fathom how, as the game continued to wear on, you're you're finding yourself down seventeen to seven, I believe by halftime. And, and you still didn't alter your game plan where you would start going deep to spread out this defense. That was something that I really just couldn't understand. And and, and furthermore, when, when Deshaun Watson, this offensive line for the Texans, was making him run for his life all day long, that was a massive issue as well. So why Bill O'Brien didn't call some screens to Johnson, why he didn't have some quick checkdowns to David Johnson out of the backfield, at least get them to move back a little bit to cover those bases, and then start going deep like I really don't even believe we saw one deep shot over 30 yards and that's a concern if you're not going to use the talents you have the way that they should be used I mean this is going to be a very long season for the Houston Texans that's where I saw all the inadequacy I mean the defense anybody going up against the Kansas City Chiefs you're not going to criticize to be like they were playing horribly um, it's it's Patrick Mahomes they're loaded Tyreek Hill 
Travis Kelsey. And, I mean, they're just loaded. So you're going to have your hands full week in, week out, no matter who they play on the defensive side. And, and you're not even coming to play offensively where you can at least match toe-for-toe toe when it comes to scoring shots. Kansas City's front seven is, is very sound, but that secondary outside of Tyron Matthew can be beatable. They're, you can expose them. So, I mean, I was really disappointed in, in, the, in the game plan. The game plan started off good. I shouldn't say it that way. But the, the adjustments as Andy Reid uh, started changing things up and how he was calling plays, Bill O'Brien was just lost. He did, definitely didn't keep up uh, with the pace, and, and it cost him. It cost him big time. So when we jump to the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, the story was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, rookie running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So, I mean, I did break down my scouting report on him uh, during uh, the Kansas City Chiefs AFC West uh, show. I, I mean, it was there. I, the thing was, I mean, and I'm going to still stand firm on my evaluation on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, especially for fantasy football. I mean, nothing was, uh, if you go back and read my scouting report, I mean, it was all there on tape and there was nothing negative to speak about him outside of me believing that he couldn't be a true uh, three-down back. Um, and, and that's still to be seen. Yes, he did carry the ball a, a number of times, 25 times he, he rushed the ball, which is very impressive for a rookie in his very first game with no real training camp in preseason. My my notion was um, uh, maybe a wait and see. Let's just be on the cautiously optimistic side. And I mean, why not? I mean, when we're talking about fantasy football, he he his ADP lifted into the first round in a lot of these drafts. And that was just a little too rich for my blood because I'd rather go for something that we know is 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 consistent and is a staple for fantasy production. I mean, uh, Edwards Hilarious is playing in his first game. He got his first rush attempt in the league uh, uh, on Thursday night football. So, I mean, I don't hate and I'm, I'm going to stick with with my first evaluation, it doesn't mean that I was wrong because I still believe in the talents that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire does have. I mean, I see a lot of analysts who were who were taking the pretty close to the same stance that I did. I see a lot of them taking a lot of heat today uh, on social media, and I mean. Uh, you guys have to understand, if, 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 if someone was saying that Clyde was going to be a bust, then yeah, go blow him up because that, that was a poor uh, uh, evaluation of the player. He, he was talented. We knew this. Um, it was just how was he going to shake out in this offense, and he did a very, uh, a very good job, very admirable. But we did see a lot of plays. I went back to watch some of the game film, and there was a lot of missed tackles by the Houston Texans, not trying to take it away from what uh, Clyde did. Uh, he, he ran very well. He, he looked very sprout, very uh, running very fast. He was decisive in his runs. That, that world-class cutback that I, I mentioned on when I watched him on film in college, I mean, he was on display on that big run that he made. He, he cut back to the right inside the field, and, I mean, he left uh, that defender in his dust. He basically put him on skates and broke his ankles. Like, that's how good that sidestep is for Edwards Hilaire. I mean, the concern also was that he wasn't used in the pass game, so a lot of people still negative on that train but I liked what I saw from him I think it, it was a it was a masterful game plan by uh, Andy Reid I think that uh, Edwards Hilaire he definitely proved that he is uh, the hype is real uh, it is week one so I'm gonna pump the brakes on, on crowning him to be anything over the top but I mean the body of work that we saw in those 25 carries was definitely there to warrant uh, enthusiasm no question about it uh, as for the rest of the offense I mean they did what they did Patrick Mahomes he had a splendid game Game. He went 24-32, 2-11, three touchdowns, only was sacked one time. He spread the ball around. Sammy Watkins got seven. Kelsey got six. Hill got five. I mean, and then the other three rounded out the, the, the remaining receptions. So three touchdown passes, one to Watkins, one to Kelsey, one to Hill as well. I mean, so Mahomes did what Mahomes does. I mean, half a half a billion dollar contract and this is what he does well i mean it looked like he didn't even really break a sweat uh in in how he was trying to dissect this defense so i i i really it's it's difficult to think that they will not be a, a return uh favorite for the super bowl especially if they can stay healthy in the way that they played that front seven on kansas city looked phenomenal uh chris jones was all over the place getting through that uh texans offensive line and and it was just causing havoc all day long so the only other thing that i'm going to mention about clyde edwards hilaire was the interesting aspect that he wasn't able to punch it in on the goal line i believe he had six attempts 
on goal line carries inside the five. That's a little bit of a concern. And that goes to what my point was saying that I don't really truly believe he can be a full-time three-down back. Because if you are that three-down back, you're going to be able to do everything in the, in the wheelhouse uh, uh, when it comes to uh, game planning and scheming and when you're called upon. And, and he wasn't able to do that. So a lot of people want to suggest that the Houston Texans defensive line was able to manhandle the, the Chiefs offensive line, and that was the cause. But, I mean, six times you're going to tell me that happened where Clyde couldn't bang, uh, bang it in uh, uh, in basically five yards out. I, I don't buy it. So if that does improve, I mean, then great. I mean, Edwards Hilaire is going to get even more value uptick, but I mean, that's going to be one of the other things that I'm going to definitely keep watching out for. But the Chiefs look for real, of course. Uh, the Houston Texans have a ton of work to do. If they don't figure out how to use all the guys they have in their uh, arsenal, I mean, it's going to be a long season. And, I, and I'm and i still backing them. I think that they can still do it, but it's going to be a long season if they don't figure that out. So let's jump into Sunday's contest. We'll, we'll, we'll go through these games, see, uh, see how we feel. I mean, first one I have on my board is the Philadelphia Eagles is a touchdown favorite, six-point favorite over the Washington football team. So this contest is a little bit interesting to me. I mean, we got the injury reports. It looks like Jalen Rager is going to suit up, which is interesting. We thought he was going to be out for at least two to three weeks. He's coming back very fast, very strong. I wonder if this is going to act more as a decoy effect because uh, Alshon Jeffrey has also been ruled out of this contest. We knew that, though. He was hampered with that foot injury. He wasn't even close to returning. Um, and then, you know, Miles Sanders is still dealing with some form of injury. He's been kind of quiet. Uh, uh, the reports have been kind of quiet, I should say, uh, uh, on his health. Um, but, I mean, with Jalen Rager back, I mean, that gives you another option to at least be a decoy, even if he does get only a handful of touches. Fantasy football-wise, I probably would sit Rager this week just in case. Uh, why not stay on the cautious, optimistic side and, 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 and sit him on the bench until we see the proof on the field? Deshaun Jackson, he should be your number one go-to at the wide receiver position. Uh, with uh, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard likely having larger roles. Uh, when it comes to the Washington football team, I mean, they're going to have their hands full. I'm curious to see how this uh, this running back room unfolds. This was the big storyline when Darius Geis uh, was released from the club after he was arrested for his domestic violence abuse case. Um, so, I mean, you have Bryce Love, you have Antonio Gibson, um, you still have Peyton Barber in there, J.D. McKissick's in there. So, I mean, it's a whirlwind of running backs. You don't really know who's going to be used and when. I really believe that Gibson is the guy that's going to see um, priority work, but I think Bryce Love is actually going to get a lot of the dog work. I think he's going to be the one they're going to try to feed in between the tackles, and then Gibson will be used to spell off and on depending on uh, situation. I think that's how we're kind of going to see it. Peyton Barber likely will get the goal line work if they manage to get on that goal line. Uh, the Eagles' front seven is is also very stout. Actually, I want to say their front four uh, with the depth that they, they have. It's going to be a, a very, very good contest on both sides of the defensive ball. I think that Washington's defense is highly underrated. Uh, the matchup here is going to be interesting because I, I, I really am going to be watching the trenches a lot because I think with Chase Young now on board, the, the Eagles lost uh, two uh, of their uh, offensive linemen to injury, which is massive. Uh, they, they got Jason Peters back, but he is going to jump back to the left tackle spot. He was worse for wear as he just continued with injury problems, but they had nobody left. They had to sign him off the street to help in that protection. So with Ryan Kerrigan, with Chase, uh, Chase uh, Young, rushing off that edge, and then you have the big boys up front with Allen and company, I think that Carson Wentz might have a headache on his hands. Six points to me is a little bit strong. I think that the, the Washington football team will have more than enough to do damage offensively. I think that uh, it's all on Dwayne Haskins. We get it. I mean, he has to show great improvement. If he's the one that's turning the ball over, then it could be a problem. Um, but I, with 
that is the problem, though. I mean, we have to we have to be fair. I mean, he is still learning the game. He was improving as the last five games of last season did transpire. He was improving weekly, um, uh, but with a with a running game that we don't know how it's going to shake out with uh, uh, his ability. Uh, is he going to make mistakes? Is he going to turn the ball over? Because I mean, the Eagles could definitely capitalize on turnovers and and make it very difficult for the Washington football team to come back in any stretch. So I mean. I do like the Eagles to win this contest, um, but I don't like it by six points. I think it's a little too vast for me. Um, but when it comes to how this game's going to be, it's going to be a dogfight defensively in the trenches. Uh, I think that's how we're going to see it play. We could see a lot of sacks on the board. Carson Wentz could be running for his life, and likewise for uh, for Dwayne Haskins. So next game we had was the Miami Dolphins at the New England Patriots. New England is favored by 6.5 points, playing at home. No Tom Brady. Cam Newton is your guy. Um, this is an interesting matchup. Obviously, AFC East is is uh, uh, become a free for all now that Tom Brady is no longer in the division. I mean, Cam Newton. We discussed this on the previous show. Cam Newton comes in and and he's looking to take over uh, and be the guy that Bill Belichick needs to continue down the path of dominance. I don't dislike this offense with Cam Newton. I mean, I've been back and forth many times. I think he'll have a, a stellar day. I wrote a piece. My start-sit piece is now on the website. Check that out. I have Cam Newton listed as a potential big-day player. And that is simply because, I mean, the Dolphins are still learning. I mean, this is still Bill Belichick and the New England Patriot way. Yes, Cam Newton is new to this. But, I mean, if he abides and he lets his athletic ability continue to push the to the, the arrow, I think that Cam is going to be able to be more than successful in this contest. Yes, Miami does have a lot of new talents on the defensive side of the ball that will help aid in stopping uh, better offenses, but I still think they're at the point where they're just still building. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is your starting quarterback. Tua Tagovailoa is going to be your redshirt quarterback. I'd be very shocked to see him enter many contests early on. I think that hip still is a problem, and I think that they're going to have to uh, keep him at bay at this point. The, the the players that I'm interested in seeing, I think, is, is how the running game is going to operate for New England. I think James White is going to have an absolute monster day from the backfield. Kind of something how uh, Christian McCaffrey was used with uh, uh, Cam Newton. I think that's kind of what you're going to see in the pass game uh, when it comes to James White. I think that Julian Edelman obviously is going to be the key guy for this offense. Uh, he will be able to exploit over the middle because, I mean, outside of that, you don't have a whole heck of a lot. Nikhil Harry, uh, the jury's still out. I mean, Myers is still there. The jury's still somewhat out on him as well. The tight end, this rookie tight end that they have, I mean, watch out for him. He could have a role. Um, but the dynamics are going to be very different, and, I, and I'm and i curious to see if Cam Newton can actually I – could, I could foresee Cam taking off a couple more times and getting in the end zone with his feet um, to lift this team. I mean, the defense is still strong. Strong. Um, so that's where Miami's going to have their struggles. But I'm, I'm curious because Jordan Howard and, and Matt Breida, I think, are going to be the, vo the focal point of this offensive game plan this week. I think that they're going to try to control the clock. They're going to run the ball to try to keep the ball out of Cam Newton's hands. And clearly they're not going to want to throw into this secondary. I mean, the defensive line for New England is still very strong, um, underrated by some stretch uh, based on, on names. Um, but they put up the numbers. They definitely did. I mean, uh, because of that secondary, they get a lot of coverage sacks. And I think that's, again, going to be the case. Uh, you can start lesser talent, and they're still going to put up big numbers based on the, the players and the you got in the in the defensive secondary so uh, it's going to be very interesting I mean if if, if the, the Miami head coach is is intelligent enough to understand that I think they're going to try to control the clock with the ground game they're going to go short and then maybe because uh, it's going to be locked down I mean Stefan Gilmore should be locking Devontae Parker all day long I'm curious to see how Preston Williams fares so that's a player I'll be watching intently also um, but when it comes down to the spread, I do believe that the Patriots will win this game, um, but I'm not picking them to cover either. I think 
that uh, there's too many moving parts that have changed over, changed hands on both clubs, and, and you're kind of at a square one. I think Miami will be a lot more competitive this season than they were last year, and, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick has ice in his veins, uh, so he's not afraid of the New England Patriots whatsoever, and he's going to go balls out every time he's on the field to try to beat this club. So it's going to be a good showing. I'm, I'm curious to see exactly how it's going to uh, taper off and, 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 and conclude, but, I mean, it's, it's going to be a good showing. Next one I had is the Green Bay Packers at the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota favored by two and a half, so a field goal. I was shocked at this uh, spread. Three points uh, for the Vikings without any sort of, uh, sorry, with I'll, I'll flip that. They lost so much on the defensive side of the ball, I really don't understand how Vegas can justify a, a, a two-and-a-half-point spread. The Green Bay Packers showed showed everyone how good that their team really was, full of balance, um, run, able to pass. Uh, the defensive side of the ball, they could rush the passer. The secondary played very well. I really don't understand this spread whatsoever. You lose Stefan Diggs. Now you have an unproven rookie who I do like, Justin Jefferson. Uh, I've mentioned him also before on the previous shows. But, I mean, it's unproven. You don't know how this is going to shake out. So how can you tell me that they're going to be favored by two and a half points? Not only that, they lost Daniel Hunter to injured reserve. He's gone for three games. Now that, that defensive line takes a hit. I mean, I, I don't get it. I mean, everyone wants to say Aaron Rodgers. I'm, I'm actually looking for this game to see Aaron Rodgers come out with fire. I really am. I think he's pissed off. I think he's tired of seeing people dog him, uh, talking all this smack that he's lost it all. It's time for him to move on, blah, blah, blah. I've seen all these comments, and I'm not there. I'm not with them. I, I think that the system, like I said before, the system has, has tailored him back a little bit because they wanted that balance in the run game. They wanted to exploit the play-action pass. This is Matt LaFleur's coaching persona. This is what he does well. He creates all the balance, and now he has the tools to do that. I mean, he tried to manufacture that in Tennessee. It just didn't come to fruition because of Marcus Mariota. Now you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers who was able to do that masterfully, and, and he could still throw the ball. He's he's not the the only problem that they have is the fact that they have lesser wide receivers outside of uh, uh, Adams, of course. So it, it, it I I don't see it to be that big of an issue. I think you know who's who, who's one guy to keep an eye on is uh, uh, Valdez Scantling. I think MVS still has a lot of value in this offense. Aaron Rodgers has been talking him up in training camp, and he is one of these guys. Aaron Rodgers is that when he talks about his wide receivers doing well, you should pay attention. Because he literally won't throw these guys the ball if they're dropping passes. He is one of those type of quarterbacks. If you're not making plays for me, I'm not throwing you the ball. So MVS is one of these guys that I think will actually take that next step as we saw a couple seasons back where he was showing flash. And I think he could be very good on this field. Um, so defensively, I got to go with the Packers also. I mean, they're just loaded. They picked up uh, uh, Kirksey at the middle linebacker position. They still have the Smith brothers rushing off the edge. And that secondary, I'm, I'm truly in love with. I'm, I'm infatuated with this uh, secondary. They're just loaded from end to end. And they're going to make life very difficult for Kirk Cousins. Um, when it comes to run stuffing, this is where Kirksey's going to come into play at that middle linebacker spot. This is what they didn't have a season ago. Go. And that's why they went out to the open market, which is something Green Bay doesn't typically do. They don't pay players in the open market, but this they knew was a great uh, hole that they needed to, to rectify. I mean, we saw the 49ers burn them with it. I mean, Minnesota has a great run game with Dalvin Cook. So I really, truly believe that the Green Bay Packers will come out in this contest. Even though it is in Minnesota, they're going to come out flying. I think the Vikings could be somewhat flat. They're going to try to establish that run game. Um, which which should work decently well. I mean, Dalvin Cook is one of the best runners in the entire league, but uh, for all intents and purposes, I mean, I got to go with the Green Bay Packers here. I think uh, for Vegas line, they're going to upset the Minnesota Vikings in this contest. Next one I have is the Indianapolis Colts minus eight at the Jacksonville Jaguars. This one I'm taking. I'm taking this all day long. You know my work. You've read the work. You've listened to it all. I'm all in on this Indianapolis Colts team this year. I think that they are going to do wonderful things. They improve this uh, the defensive side of the ball, but you better yet they bring in Philip Rivers. So 
Okay, so here's the thing. I've taken some heat on the Philip Rivers comments on the on the backing of this man, and it's only because he is that reliable and that efficient when it comes to statistical achievement. Yes, we did see, I'll reiterate, yes, we did see 20-plus interceptions a season ago. That is a different team. That is a different offensive line blocking for him. Let's see what Philip Rivers can do behind this mammoth offensive line that should be ranked as one of the best in the entire NFL. So when you put someone like Philip Rivers who can who has thrown, proven over the last 5 years nothing short of 4200 yards passing. I mean, outside of last season, I believe he didn't throw anything less than 25 or 26 touchdown passes per season. How can you dislike what this man can still do? I mean, the arm strength sure, we'll always agree the arm strength isn't isn't quite there. Um, but against this Jacksonville Jaguar team who has basically dismantled every piece they have on the defensive side of the ball, as opposed to Josh Allen, he's the lone survivor on this defensive line. I mean, what do you think that the Phillip Rivers and the Indianapolis Colts offense is going to do? They will manhandle this defense. Uh, Phillip Rivers' pedigree, we know this. He loves using the running back out of the backfield. So I'm curious to see who's going to take that role. Is it going to be Naheem Hines or is it going to be Marlon Mack? Um, Coach Frank Reich has been doing the coach speak a lot, saying he is going to give first crack to this backfield to Marlon Mack. And I think that's just veteran respect. I really do. Jonathan Taylor is far more uh, put together than Marlon Mack is. I think uh, Jonathan Taylor gives you a dynamic in this offense that, that we haven't seen, even with Andrew Luck days. Um, this is something that we just haven't seen, a full bruiser type of back, kind of like Adrian Peterson-esque. Like, this is what we, uh, this is what I plan to see. I mean, if he doesn't deliver, well, then we'll, we'll have to re-evaluate my, my thought process on this as well. But, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is very similar type of back, downhill runner, one-cut speed, go down the field, uh, bull over anybody who comes in your way. I mean, that is reminiscent of what Adrian Peterson does. I mean, the comps are a little bit different uh, that I had for him, but I mean, very similar type of running running ability, different running styles. Um, so I think by the time we get into the second half, especially if this game is getting out of hand, I think we'll see a whole heck of a lot of Jonathan Taylor because uh, Coach Frank Reich is going to want to see exactly uh, what he has in this rookie back. If I'm playing fantasy, I'm starting basically everyone that I can that has value. T.Y. Hilton, I'll be playing him. I, I'm putting down Jonathan Taylor as a play, even though I get it, the projected points are a little bit light. It's about six or seven points full PPR projection, but I'm telling you, uh, you just get this feeling based on statistics and how we break this game down versus the defense and offense. Um, I think he's going to at least find the end zone. This is the other thing. So Phillip Rivers, if he and even if Marlon Mack is in the backfield, taking him down the field, they get on the goal line. I mean, how can we not see um, Frank Reich putting in this 220, 230 pound running back in the backfield to just bull into the end zone. So if they get on the on the goal line more than once, we could see Jonathan Taylor even snag two. He may get, what, 12 carries maybe, 15 carries if that. If he goes 10, 12 carries for even to 35 yards, he could still get you the two touchdowns, and it's a fantasy win all day long. So I'm, I'm banking on that 110%. When it comes to the Jaguars, not much to like. I mean, I, I, I the it, Colts' defense has definitely improved. So, I mean, Gardner Minshew may struggle here. He may find a little bit of traction here or there. I still like DJ Chark a lot. I think he is very underrated, but he is very much touchdown dependent uh, at this point. Where I do see Chark actually fitting in very well is in garbage time. Um, if the Colts have the big lead, Minshew is going to just keep throwing and, and Chark could be the beneficiary of a touchdown score late in the contest. That doesn't mean anything to save his fantasy day, but I definitely see the Colts winning this game by more than eight points. Uh, mark that one down. Next one we have are is the Chicago Bears traveling to Detroit to face the Lions. Lions are favored by minus three points. So I was going back and forth on this game quite a bit. And I mean, a lot has changed since I released my point spread article. Um, and and I, I had Detroit covering the minus three at home. Um, but now news has broken that Kenny Galladay will not play in this contest due to a hamstring injury he uh, suffered in practice two days ago. 
I'm sick to my stomach about this one because I am a massive Kenny Galladay supporter. Uh, my fantasy football work, I was pushing him as a top 10 commodity this season. Um, this definitely puts a, an anchor into that uh, evaluation. I still believe the talent is there. I still believe that with Matt Ryan, or uh, excuse me, uh, Matthew Stafford uh, healthy, I think this offense will be able to move, and, and Kenny Galladay will be a huge piece of the action. Now with no Galladay, um, this does leave them a little bit hamstrung, the Lions. Um, it leaves them hamstrung where they're going to have to find and, and uh, uh, navigate different ways of uh, earning production. They're just This is the, no ways around it. So do we see them go more run heavy? Does Adrian Peterson get in the game a little bit more? Um, is DeAndre Swift healthy enough to take a, take a role? Is Kerryon Johnson going to be the guy? I mean, this backfield is a mess right now as well. Um, I'm still a DeAndre Swift guy. I think he has a big role. I think Peterson has a big role. Uh, in this week, just based on experience, maybe the playbook isn't learned as much, but I think Peterson will get a, a decent uh, amount of work. Uh, Marvin Jones, clearly he's the one to, to watch. He's going to step into the lead role. He's been Mr. Consistent as well. I definitely would play him plug and play. If you have Kenny Galladay, if you didn't, I would still plug and play Marvin Jones, um, but they're going to have to manufacture points somehow. Um, this is definitely the case when it comes to the Chicago bears. Uh, we've heard that David Montgomery is a questionable. He drew the questionable tag and I'm shocked. I, I literally am. I'm uh, he, he slipped on the field tore his, uh, his groin tendon. It was a grade two tear and, and he's, he's going to suit up for week one. This was just two weeks ago. That's, that's typically a four week uh, injury. I was fully expecting him to sit out until at least week three. Um, so this again to me looks like he's being rushed back a little bit for scheme purposes because they don't really have another running back uh, to take over in that type of uh, capacity. I do believe that Tyree Cohen is a good start this week as well for fantasy. I think that he is going to feast on PPR points. I think he's going to have many opportunities to get the ball to, to try to uh, make an impact in this run game. I really don't see uh, David Montgomery doing anything. Even if uh, the reports say he's playing, I'm staying far away from this one until I see it. I mean, uh, it's just way too soon for my liking. Uh, this is, has re-injury re risk written all over it, and I just, I'm staying far away. Mitchell Trubisky is a very interesting uh, highlight um, because he's on a short leash. He won the, the quarterback competition uh, from Nick Foles in the offseason, and again, I think that goes to respect to the fact that the Bears are saying we gave up a first round second overall pick to draft this guy there's no way uh, we can justify putting him on the bench for Nick Foles uh, he has to definitely play his way out of the position where they can defend it and justify it to the media and the ownership group to say hey you know we made a mistake and this is the way we have to go I'm still a little bit curious on Trubisky. I mean, I'm not expecting uh, uh, the world to light a blaze, but uh, I, th I still think he has ability. Um, he's able to go uh, – if if Coach Nagy – this will be the, the, the point that I want to see. If Coach Nagy can alter and adjust his system enough where he uh, uses it to his advantage, where he uses the rollout to the right, that's where Trubisky is his best. Um, outside of the pocket to the right, I mean, this offensive line is hot garbage. So you're going to have to see – the pressure is going to come regardless. So you're going to be uh, forced um, to use uh, the rollouts to find open receivers. Um, but the, the one positive part is that the Detroit Lions uh, front four isn't necessarily the, the most fleet in foot uh, to get to the quarterback. So, I mean, that may aid um, the, the Chicago Bears offensive line as this isn't one of the, the tougher tasks of the season that they will face. So, I mean, I'm, I'm still going to go even without Galladay. It makes me cringe, but I'm still going to go with the Detroit Lions winning by a field goal. I think they'll have uh, more than enough. TJ Hawkinson should get into the mix. We could even see sprinkles of Danny Amendola over the middle to control the clock. So uh, I'm still going there. I, I think uh, Matthew Stafford has a lot to prove, and he's going to put it on display. Uh, next one we have is the Las Vegas Raiders traveling to the Carolina Panthers. Vegas is favored by three points. This is an interesting contest. I'm taking the Vegas Raiders to cover the three points versus Carolina simply because I am not a Teddy Bridgewater fan. Um, I, I don't dislike the quarterback, but I'm not a, a huge fan and supporter 
of his work until he proves it to me. I'm big into proof, man. You got to show me something uh, before I just start throwing out my endorsement. I mean, because yes, he he has climbed back, and like I said before, I'm rooting for him. I I think he's got a lot of skills. But a new coach, new offensive system, new team um, uh, uh, against the Raiders, who are actually up and coming. I, I, I don't see a whole heck of a lot going well uh, in the pass game for this. So, I mean, DJ Moore, you got to play him. I get it. I mean, I, I'm more about sitting him this week, um, but that's a little bit crazy. I know you draft DJ Moore very high. I personally have no shares of DJ Moore in any fantasy league. So, I mean, I get it. If you're going to play him, I, I can't fault you for it because uh, the potential is there for him to break a touchdown all day long so talent is definitely there christian mccaffrey is going to be of course the workhorse i think this is going to be how the season is going to operate once again um he's going to be leaned upon to do everything in this offense uh yet again and and teddy's going to have to follow um i think that's how we're going to see it as for the defensive side of the ball I think this is where the Panthers are super weak. Uh, they had way too many losses this offseason when it came to free agency and uh, Luke Keekley retiring, etc. I think this secondary is so weak. Um, it, it's, it's unfortunate. I feel bad for them. Um, Derek Carr should have a good game. I like to see how this offense is going to roll for the Raiders. I think Carr will be actually Carr. Carr has been uh, very efficient in his career. I mean, yes, he's had some stumbles, but I mean, look what he's had to work with the past couple seasons. So let's give the guy a little bit of a break. I mean, now we have some ballers. We have some playmakers. Josh Jacobs is there. Lead dog. This guy's going to be a baller this week. Fire him up without question. Then you got Henry Ruggs and you got Brian Edwards. I am very excited to see how these two rookies uh, shake out. I think Ruggs is going to have a field day. I mean, we did see it in camp. He was getting locked down by his own corners, and that was a little bit of a concern. But if they're playing him in the slot, I would not be surprised on this secondary to see Ruggs go right over the middle on a maybe 10-yard slant and then burn it, take it to the house up the middle of the field. I could definitely see that. I think we're going to see a lot of change in how we view this Raiders organization. They are building in definitely the right direction, and I think that they are going to take this one um, and they're going to cover by three points. Uh, I have that feeling. New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills, the next one on the board. Jets travel to Buffalo. Bills are favored by six and a half points. Um, this is a good spread. I mean, so I hear a lot of chatter. I heard uh, another uh, uh, podcaster, another show, uh, mainstream show, uh, discuss this contest saying that Josh Allen has been that bad, et cetera, et cetera. This is the year, okay? I've been, I'm a Bills Mafia backer, but I'll take my fan fandom out of this argument, and this will be straight-up analyst talk. Um, when it comes to how the Buffalo Bills are currently assembled, their defense lights out. Simple as that. They should, if they stumble on defense, then th there's problems that uh, that we don't even realize. They 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 ramped up the defensive front. They have secondary. I mean, what else do you want from this defense? You could have some improvements at the linebacker position, but they're they're far and away good enough to make things happen. So. With the Jets and what they have offensively with uh, Le'Veon Bell and, and company, I mean, Jamison Crowder and Le'Veon Bell really should be the only players to worry about if you're the Buffalo Bills. Outside of that, make someone else beat you. If it's going to be uh, one of the other wide receivers that they have, then let it let it happen. Let it let it, just lock down Bell, lock down Crowder, and your day should be um, pretty easy for the Buffalo Bills defensive pa uh, grouping. When it comes back to Josh Allen and this offense, the entire time that we dissected all the training camp uh, film, it was Josh Allen going deep to every single wide receiver on this roster. Why? To improve the deep pass, to improve the deep ball, to improve his accuracy. This is what they wanted to see. And I really believe that if he doesn't improve in that aspect, there's going to be a lot of question marks coming out of this week. If they don't win this game decisively, and by that I mean at least two touchdowns, I'm, I'm going to have question marks on what this Bills team is going to do because um, you, you put a lot of stock in Josh Allen. This is year three. 
Um, it's it's now it's time to put up or shut up if you're Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills because at this point this division is uh, yours for the taking without Tom Brady. You have a defense who can carry you if you can get a lead. Um, so uh, everything is on Allen. Uh, the run game I'm interested to see how it shakes out for the Buffalo Bills. I would possibly start uh david or devin singletary excuse me i'm i'm with about a 75 percent confidence rate on that one um the fumble issues from training camp that came to to be aware i'm not really too concerned he looked very good last season uh running the ball so i think he'll figure that out quicker than later um um, but i yeah about 75 percent confidence i'm good with uh singletary uh in my fantasy lineup uh stefan diggs i'm probably starting everywhere if i have him um josh allen i'm I'm loading him up everywhere i have him with that confidence to believe that he will lead this club to a victory so buffalo bills should get by cover the spread by seven points i'm all in on that Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland going to Baltimore. The Ravens are favored by eight points. A whopping eight points. That's a tough one. I mean, typically do we like siding with a club with more than a touchdown spread? No. Um, it's it's always a tough bet to, to make. But in this case, week one, Baltimore Ravens uh, have that bad taste in their mouth. Losing in the postseason like they did to the Titans um uh, this is this is this is their game to win this is the statement game to come in the season start fast just like the chiefs did you're you want to be known as a cream of the crop club that's uh vying for the super bowl as one of the top contenders this is the game you do it i mean it's not against heavy competition in the browns just yet we need to see more from cleveland baker mayfield has to put it all together um odell beckham and jarvis landry they're still talented as heck we know that um, but this Baltimore Ravens defense is super loaded. On paper, they look like a a phenomenal group, even without Earl Thomas. I'm 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 still on board. I still like how they're going to be able to play. Uh, Baltimore's again going to be ground heavy. Mark Ingram, fire him up as well. I'm I'm excited to see that. Uh, Mark Andrews, obviously the staple. He's going to be the number one target on this offense yet again. I'm very curious to see when we're going to see that young rookie, Devin Duvernay. I wonder if he'll get any game action. I'll be uh, watching that closely because he kind of fits into me like he's the X factor. If he can take over that slot position um, and then Hollywood Brown is your burner, your field burner, I think this Ravens offense is going to be one hell of a unit to stop. I think they're going to be very difficult but again mark ingram is my guy i've been supporting him pushing him all off season uh, fire him up like i said he's gonna have a glorious day uh nick chubb he this is a tough one for me because i've been so supportive of nick chubb i've basically said if he's in the back end of the first round i'm okay taking him which i did myself um in my drafts so if if you're if you have him at that kind of a value marker, you gotta play him. No question. There's no way we're sitting him. Um, but his day is gonna be very hard. I mean, Calais Campbell is there now. He takes up a lot of room. Um, and and depending on how uh, Kevin Stefanski uses his running backs, um, Kareem Hunt could get into the action a lot as well. And and um, but but I can't see any situation where. Um, the Ravens don't go out early and, and heavy on this uh, Browns uh, defense who still, I mean, they're improving. I, I like a lot of the pieces they have. I'm a Denzel Ward backer. I like him a lot. I think he's uh, he's got a lot of skill. So we'll see. But I think that the, the Ravens will walk into this one. Um, they will do a lot of damage. Hollywood Brown, I probably would throw him in my flex this week. If you're looking for Browns players to start, I'm probably going Nick Chubb and Jarvis Landry for PPR upside for him. Um, uh, Odell Beckham is something of a question against this defense with Baker throwing the ball. But again, the Browns, they did bolster that offensive line for games like this. So maybe we do see a, a, a greater improvement. Perhaps we see uh, Austin Hooper get a, a very large role and share in the pass game um, with Landry and uh, Beckham pulling coverage. That's a possibility as well. Uh, very, very interesting contest. I'm uh, Like I said, those are the guys I'd be starting, but I am still taking the Baltimore Ravens at that minus eight plus i will bet and gamble on that fact seattle taking travel to atlanta to face the falcons the seahawks are favored at minus one and a half points so two points they are favored 
This game is very intriguing to me. I broke this one down quite a bit. I spent a lot of time reviewing all the statistics from previous seasons, uh, reviewing the game plans, how they would do it. Um, these teams match up very interestingly together simply because they're built uh, similarly. Um, offensively, they're both very explosive. Um, uh, the Seahawks more so on the ground, uh, being ground heavy first, where the the Falcons are more pass happy, especially in the dirt cutter offense. Um, again, week one, we don't know how this will shake out just yet because we need to see a lot of proof in the film and how they're going to attack each other. But defensively, they kind of are a little bit similar. Yes, Jamal Adams is now here uh, for the Seahawks. So, I mean, this is a very big uplift for this defense. Um, he will make everyone take notice of his ability. He will change that. He will allow Bobby Wagner to be more uh, fluid wherever he needs to be. Adams will back that up. I really actually did like this secondary a lot. I think uh, with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, now Hayden Hurst, I think they're going to be able to spread these guys out quite a bit. I think that is your goal. Um, Todd Gurley should be used uh, at least 20 times in the run game. Uh, I could foresee him getting a lot of work in the pass game as well with Adams having to, I would likely want to say on the Julio Jones side, um, I, I, how can you leave him on single coverage, right? So perhaps that opens the door for Gurley. I had Gurley as a potential big day player as well um, this week. Uh, I'm holding firm on that one. I think that's exactly how it's going to go. I think Julio is going to be your guy pulling the double teams. Ridley might see a lot of work, but Hayden Hurst and Todd Gurley to me in this week one showing are the ones that aren't on film in this offense, and they're gonna they're gonna have roles and they're gonna feast in my eyes. When it comes to Seattle, I mean, this is Russell Wilson. He can pick you apart no matter who you are. Um, the Falcons' defense is still nothing what we would have expected them to be, especially with a defensive-minded head coach in, in uh, Coach Quinn. So. They have pieces. I mean, Deion Jones and, and uh, Keanu Neal, obviously the big play hitters. Now they have Dante Fowler on that line. So, I mean, they got three big stellar pieces on this defense. Could it be near enough um, to, to be competitive? I, I really went back and forth a whole lot, and I'm, I'm actually siding with the Seahawks in this one. Um, it's it's going to be very tight. I'm I'm all in on the Falcons as well. I think that their uh, year two has been proven. We've seen it over and over again. I've said this before, and the history is always there and dictates that. Matt Ryan, in the first year of a new offensive uh, installation, he struggles. He struggles with uh, being comfortable, and he makes too many errant passes. Now this is year two, dirt cutter system. This is where we see Matt Ryan become that much more comfortable in what he's calling and what he's able to see on the field. I think the interception rates will definitely go down. The yardage should definitely go up. I'm excited about this game. This game could literally go either way, but I'm siding with Russell Wilson and his prowess uh, to, to get things going. Um, when it comes to DK Metcalf, he's in my lineup. Uh, Chris Carson, I'm probably leaving on my bench. I think that's a, that's a big one for me. Um, we, we haven't heard a whole heck of a lot of him about that injured hip, that surgically repaired hip. So I'm I'm a little bit worry on weary on that. I think Carlos Hyde actually gets into the game quite a bit and could be a very sneaky fantasy play as well. Um, Julio Jones, Todd Gurley, I'm, I'm all in. Calvin Ridley should be there too. I mean, you can't really go wrong with starting any of the Falcons at this point because um, you know that they throw the ball a mammoth amount of times and, and you're going to see success go all over the field. Moving on right along, we have the Los Angeles Chargers minus three at the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, I'm not taking the Chargers at all until I see this thing work out. I saw Tyrod Taylor so much in his time in Buffalo that, I mean, I can't, I can't support it. Um, regardless, uh, he's not a bad quarterback. What he is, and I said it again. I say, I said it before. I'll say it again. He's a game manager. Um, he's good with his feet, and he's going to give you a lot of plays deep that will be successful. Do I believe that he's going to be able to feed Keenan Allen? Maybe. We'll see. I think Keenan Allen is that good that he can support Tyrod Taylor. That's kind of the funny way to put it. 
Um, so, I mean, I, I, I put, uh, if you read the article, I put Keenan Allen on my sit list, but it was a, it was a cautionary sit. I, if you're starting him, I'm totally comfortable playing Keenan Allen this week. Um, but it's a cautionary warning to say that he may not get in the end zone and he could really have a less productive day, but it is the Cincinnati Bengals defense. Isn't really necessarily there yet even though they did sign some guys off the free agent market um so we'll see how the defense shakes out but with joe burrow and company you have still aj green joe mixon you bring in the rookie t higgins you have tyler boyd they have an offense now i mean i think they're going to be able to do something against this chargers defense um i i Without Derwin James on the field, I think that's a massive loss. I think Joe Burrow, he will have his welcome to the NFL rookie moments uh, without question. But um, three points, I could see this a one-point contest either way. I'm definitely not taking the points for the Chargers. Um, When it comes to uh, Austin Eckler and company, I could see them being used a lot. Um, trying to establish the run, but the Bengals do have a decent front four, so we'll see. I, th- I'm going to be watching that very closely also. I'm going to be watching how Austin Eckler is used because I have been a naysayer of sorts to say where he was being drafted at his ADP was a little too expensive for me. So this will be a little bit of a, 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 a game in sorts in my own mind to see it. You know what? If I was wrong, I was wrong. I'll admit it. I, I don't dislike Austin Eckler whatsoever. I think he's a very talented running back, but I really want to see how he's going to be used with Tyrod Taylor because if Taylor ain't making those passes, um, you stack the box all day long and you think that Eckler's going to have a sound day, I really, really wonder. So I'm curious about Joshua Kelly. I hope to see him in the in this game getting at least 10 touches. I want to see what he can do, and I think Coach Anthony Lynn will give him that as well. Um, but I am not going to support the Chargers on this one just yet. Need to see a little bit more uh, film uh, and proof on the field. When it comes to the next one, we have the Arizona Cardinals traveling to San Francisco. San Fran is a minus seven touchdown spread. I don't see it. I really don't. I mean, I was I was back and forth on this one as well. And if you go back to last season, the Cardinals with a rookie Kyler Murray uh, were doing well against this uh, Super Bowl contender. They really were. If we go back to the contest that we saw back in October, I think it was on Halloween or just a day or before or day after, where, where it was basically a shootout. Murray was able to, to work his, his magic and find ways to carve up the Niners' defense. Now you had a player like DeAndre Hopkins to the mix. I, I, I mean, yes, I'm not going to debate it. I mean, San Francisco's defense is one of the better units in the entire NFL. Their front seven is stacked also. So, I mean, they're going to have to come up with schemes to uh, uh, manage that, I guess is the best way to put it. Kenyon Drake is an interesting play. I am a little bit weary of him. Um, for where you drafted him, you're you're going to have to start him basically week in, week out. But, I mean, this is a terrible matchup for him. Um, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, I, I really am encouraged and excited to see how they're going to make this game happen, how where they're going to take it, the adjustments they're going to make. Um, DeAndre, I'm playing. If if obviously you're playing him, he's superstar. But I mean, he's he's probably gonna see lots of Richard Sherman, if I'm not mistaken. So um, I'm I'm I, I'm excited. I this game has the makings to be something of very much uh, high entertainment value. Um, when it comes to the 49ers, I am a little bit nervous of their offense. Um, Debo Samuel has been ruled out. They're gonna be run heavy approach, of course. I mean, this is their uh, their system anyway. George Kittle should always have that big role, but who's going to be the supportive piece in the receiving game? Is it Brandon Ayuk? Is it Pittis? Um, who's going to come out to play? It's it's a complete guessing game and a question mark um, that I'm not willing to play. I really am not. If I'm playing anybody, Mostert's going to be my guy. I even have a little couple sprinkles of positivity for Tevin Coleman. I think he still remains valuable to the point that uh, he's not a write-off. We can't write him off just yet. Uh, Shanahan has been proven to ride the hot hand, and simply because Monster got uh, going in the playoffs all the way to the Super Bowl, everyone's crowning him to be the number one back. He could very well be. I mean, the ceiling uh, hasn't been reached uh, if it's if it's in that department, um, but Tevin Coleman definitely will still have a role. Um, I feel for Jimmy Garoppolo in that sense because – 
I mean, his receiving core on paper when healthy looks good, but, I mean, everyone's in the medical room, and it's going to have uh, struggles written all over for uh, Garoppolo to find traction. Kendrick Bourne could be your guy if you're looking in deep leagues um, on who to start for a wide receiver for San Francisco. Kendrick, Kendrick Bourne should be a guy um, that will find uh, ways to get into this ball game and potentially get into the end zone. So San Francisco minus seven, I am not taking that bet. I will say the Cardinals will make this a competitive contest and they will not cover seven points this is the game we had circled for so long because it is going to be a dandy the tampa bay buccaneers at the new orleans saints saints are a minus 3.5 going into this contest and i like that spread by vegas it's a bait spread um they give you more than a field goal where this game could be uh literally uh decided by a last second field goal who has the last possession I'm still siding with the New Orleans Saints simply because of chemistry and camaraderie because this team has been together um, for quite some time. I mean, they know every ounce of where all of their players are going to be, where they're going to be at at what time. Chemistry building is massively important. Tom Brady didn't have that when uh, with the no training camp, so that's a big problem for me. Granted, Brady and company, they are talented wide receivers on this club. They did have Mike Evans pop up on the injury report. He is listed as doubtful with that hamstring that held him out for the last few games of last season. That's a concern to watch. If you are Mike Evans' uh, owners in fantasy football, I think that's a big one. That could hamper him for a while. We saw him. I can't remember how many games he lost last year, three or four. Um, so, Or was it two? Maybe it was two. Um, but uh, that's a big loss. Um, so for my money, when I'm looking at this team now, where does Tom Brady go? Clearly, Chris Godwin is going to see lots of Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, they have Janorius Jenkins. So you have a you have a secondary who can play either one on Chris Godwin, and he's going to have a hard time getting open. Um, I could definitely see the ground game being used a lot in this contest by Tampa Bay. Leonard Fournette owners, don't be afraid. I'm still playing them. I'm starting them. Um, it's Is it going to be ample work? Probably not. Um, we could see in the realm of 15 to 20 touches total. That's uh, running and in the pass game. So, I mean, it's uh, in my eyes, it's not going to be a small sample size. I think it's going to be a decent amount of work for him. Um, I, I fully expect him to take all the goal line work, uh, Fournette that is. So if they get close to the goal line, I think Leonard's just going to be the guy to pound it in. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But for my money as well, I think the dark horse play here is Rob Gronkowski on the Tampa Bay side. Where is Tom Brady going to go when times get tough in the first week of the season? He's going back to his old buddy Gronk. You know this. I know this. Fire up Gronk everywhere you have him because I am. I have, I think, three shares of Gronk, and I'm firing up everywhere um, that I have him because I think that's exactly how this is going to play out. The lost targets for Mike Evans, you're going to have to find it somewhere, and it's going to be to his old buddy where he knows where his routes go and, and timing is going to be there. New Orleans, on the other hand, I, I'm huge supporter, huge fan of theirs. Drew Brees is going to have a great game. I mean, the two 40-year-old uh, Hall, future Hall of Famers going at it week one in 2020. I mean, what else could you ask for? It's going to be glorious. Michael Thomas, I mean, we don't even need to talk about him he's mr glue hands he's gonna give you the eight for 100 that's almost a staple right so emmanuel sanders is a guy i am very intrigued with and excited to watch in this offense because when was the last time we witnessed a supportive piece on this receiving core uh assist drew Brees and michael thomas we haven't it's been a very long time we're talking what the more and uh, uh meacham days i mean that's that's going way back right before we saw this ted ginn wasn't even that type of guy where we could say he was that great secondary option so i'm i'm excited to see what emmanuel sanders can do um he showed last year in that run with the 49ers that he still yes he lost a little bit of a step but he's still more than reliable and capable to get open and this will be fantastic for opening up michael thomas Thomas. So uh, Emmanuel Sanders in my flex all day long. I'm cool with that. I like it a lot. 
and I'm taking the New Orleans Saints to win this game uh, uh, by covering the spread of three and a half. I think even though I think this game could be uh, decided by a field goal, I'm going with the camaraderie. Like I said, uh, Sean Payton and, and company, they know how to win, even though it is Tom Brady. New digs uh, might be the problem. So next one we had interesting contest is the Dallas Cowboys at the L.A. Rams. Dallas favored by three points. I'm taking Dallas to cover this spread. Because the Rams, to me, in my eyes, are a club in uh, somewhat uh, in dysfunction. I don't want to say they're fully in dysfunction, but they're somewhat there. I think losing that Super Bowl took a toll on this club. I mean, at times last season, it looked like they had figured out, opposing teams figured out Coach Sean McVay in the offense. But it was simply because the run game wasn't there. It wasn't being established by Todd Gurley. And I mean, this is, again, we've discussed this at nauseum. This is what makes the Rams, this is what made the Rams so high octane. Was the run game, was the installation of the play-action pass, was Jared Goff capitalizing on that? So with a running back room that we really truly don't know who is going to be the lead lead back, lead dog, um, Cam Akers, rookie, I'm excited to see him play. I think he's got a lot of potential. We'll see how his role shakes out. But this has got to be all about Jared Goff being efficient and finding his wide receivers because this Dallas defense is no slouch either. I am very encouraged by them. I know I said this last year and they didn't really uh, pan out the way that I had hoped. Um, but this front seven, this is a front seven. When you talk about the front line, I mean, you got Lawrence. He's your main guy. You got Poe. You have uh, Everson Griffin. And then you add the linebackers with Jalen Smith and, and Van Der Esch. This is a front seven that I love. I think if they can stay healthy, they can put it all together. They will be a force to be reckoned with. But the problem that I see with the Rams and what they're going to be facing is the fact that you have an offense that is built and now going to be run by Coach Mike McCarthy. Yes, we did see Mike McCarthy struggle at times with Green Bay to get over the top to to get to that next level in the postseason um, at times with Aaron Rodgers, which is kind of funny. But you have now an offense here that is built very similarly to how the Packers were built in the Jordy Nelson days with Aaron Rodgers. You have C.D. Lamb coming in as the rookie. He's going he's gonna to make a force and a, a statement uh, from day one. I really, truly believe it. I think uh, Amari Cooper there and then Michael Gallup, the trio of them, are going to be a headache for uh, this Rams defense to stop. I mean, Jalen Ramsey can only cover one of these guys. Uh, you have the other two now that are going to be able to roam free on a secondary that besides Ramsey on there, um, they're not all that sharp anymore. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, the linebacking core definitely scares me for the Rams. I think that Zeke Elliott, he might be used more in the pass game. Also, just because Aaron Donald is is a beast, that front, front four for the Rams is still very strong. So we could see Zeke used more in the pass game on, on quick outs and then and then pick your poison on where Dak Prescott's going to go. But I think I think we're going to see a very heavy pass, uh, pass heavy game. I think the Rams have no choice. They're going to have to put up score for score if they plan to compete with this Cowboys club. But I see a lot of good things uh, in the near future for the Cowboys. I am taking them to cover. I think I said that before by minus three. Monday Night Football, we have the doubleheader. This is the glorious aspect of week one is we get two contests on Monday Night Football. First one is Pittsburgh minus six at the New York Giants. I'm taking Pittsburgh all day long. Big Ben is back in the fold. Uh, what looked to be a career-ending injury, he is back, said he doesn't have pain in that arm, uh, in that throwing arm, which is fabulous. Juju's back. Uh, James Conner is back. You have the whole fleet back. I mean, they added more pieces. Chase Claypool, I'm very curious. I think he's going to have a role in the red zone. Um, I, I think he's going under the radar far too much. I think the back shoulder fade was, was done and learned to perfection with Big Ben. I think you're going to see a lot of that, especially when they get down inside the 10 or even inside the 15. I think you're going to see a lot of those jump plays. You're going to see a lot of back shoulder fades to Claypool. I think uh, Deontay Johnson, next man up, I think he's going to be having a massive role as well. Uh, the offensive line for Pittsburgh still is very stout. 
Um, and then you got the defensive side. I, I mean, they're going to make life extremely difficult for Daniel Jones. Um, I could easily see this become a runaway early uh, simply because uh, uh, the the Giants just don't have the horses on the defensive side. They could literally be one of the worst defensive uh, units in the entire league when the 2020 season is done. For fantasy football, if you're a Giants, uh, if you've drafted many Giants players, it's a tough start all around outside of Saquon. I mean, uh, it, it's very tough. I tried. I tried to uplift them based on analytics and statistics, and I still couldn't even make those work. So, I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, I might be sitting everybody, including except for Saquon, of course. I, I, I'm going to be sitting Daniel Jones. I think uh, the garbage time productivity could be there. Um, simply because uh, this game could get out of hand and the Giants will have to continue to throw the ball. Um, but that will also come with possible interceptions, turnovers, uh, which will bring down his score. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely looking in another direction than starting Daniel Jones this week uh, just because his Pittsburgh's defense is so very strong. They are at minus six. I am taking that all day long, and I'm laughing in the bank. Last game of the doubleheader on Monday Night Football is the Tennessee Titans minus two and a half at the Denver Broncos. This one even before the news that Von Miller had suffered a season-ending injury. Um, I still took the Titans on this contest. I think they're built very well. Um, they added Jadavion Clowney uh, recently, so this defense obviously just got that much better. Um, they they built very well. Uh, they're a very well-balanced club. They're going to run the ball with Henry to start it off. Ryan Tannehill's going to expose that play-action pass. Denver really, really has holes on this defense now, especially without Vaughn. I don't think Chubb is going to play either. You lost Todd Davis to an injury. He is now on the open market, was released by the club. So you got holes all over this front seven. I think that uh, Derrick Henry has a field day. Um, and then you could see Ryan Tannehill just exploiting the play-action pass. For my money, I'm going A.J. Brown and Jonu Smith in my lineups as well. I can see them having very, very solid days. Um, Tannehill, on that respect, uh, it's very tough to start um, because I want to see more to see if they've added more plays in the pass game to trust Tannehill to pick apart defenses. But but for his, uh, his end numbers, I could easily see a 220 and possibly two touchdown pass. Passes, but but I'm starting the I'm starting uh, AJ Brown and I'm starting uh, uh, Johnny Smith without even thinking twice. More bad news for the Denver Broncos. They are likely going to be without Cortland Sutton in this contest. He fell victim to a practice injury. Also, bad week for injuries for these wide receivers as he has an AC joint sprain, looking like he will be out. Uh, at least this week, possibly next. Uh, AC joints, for those that aren't familiar, it's very difficult for the individual to raise their arms. So, I mean, that's what a wide receiver does, right? So I'll be very shocked to see uh, how, if he comes back next week, um, uh, I didn't uh, hear the severity of this injury, if it was mild or, or strong. So, I mean, either way, an AC joint definitely scares me as a sudden owner uh, uh, for at least the first four weeks of the season. In retrospect, now you're going to have to turn to the running game. This may bode well for uh, Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, but again, the defensive line is very strong in Tennessee, so they are going to be seeing many stacked boxes. They're going to see the, the extra safety pinching up deep to stop that, so I might not play either one this week. Uh, that's a very cautious uh, uh, approach, um, but I, I'm okay with leaving both of them on the bench this week. Uh, Jerry Judy, he is the rookie. He is uh, another one, just like CeeDee Lamb. I believe these two guys are going to be superstars in the making. Um, without Cortland Sutton, he's going to step in day one. I've heard nothing but positives that he's light years ahead of the curve when it comes to rookie to veterans. Uh, uh, and I'm, I'm very, very much... Uh, in support that this game could get out of hand as well and uh, uh, Judy could be the beneficiary of Drew Locke throwing the ball uh, a whole heck of a lot to try to keep pace in this contest but it should be another game I'm taking the Titans to go minus 2.5 uh, hopefully these picks will get you some money I do cover this on uh, the website 
Uh, so you can check that out. Point spread picks, uh, my start sits also. And then waiver wires do come out on, I believe, the Tuesday. I drop those uh, on Tuesday, so you get ready for that as well. But this is fun, man. I mean, we got football. We are excited. I'm excited uh, to finally sit down in front of that TV, watch as many games as I possibly can uh, because it's just fabulous and we love the game. Good luck this week in your fantasy football weeks. Um, uh, hopefully my, my content helps you win that and, and we drive toward gaining those fantasy football trophies. So, I mean, enjoy the week. And on that note, that is the show. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF one. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF underground to all the listeners. Thanks for all the support. We truly appreciate you. And until next time, stay humble, stay peaceful and take care of each other. I'm out.